everybody, and welcome to Maximum Libertarian. I am Brian, and today we're going to have an interview with Mr. Larry Newman. Larry Newman, he currently serves as the president of the Missouri Alliance of Professional Bell Bond Agents, a trade organization that promotes ethics, standards of conduct, and education for individuals involved in the business of bell bonds in Missouri. It's very uh, interesting hearing about some of the reforms that people are trying to do when it comes to the cash bell reforms and some of the missteps, like normal, when people in our government, they rush to do something just because there's an uproar and then in turn, they immediately have to start backtracking and trying to correct the situation. He talks about that, and he talks about a couple of little things I think you're going to enjoy. So, um, if you haven't already, wherever you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe to it on that podcast platform. If it's iTunes, if it's Google Play it might even be Podbean. Who knows? But if you can, please subscribe to wherever your uh, our podcast is. And then rate us. Give us five stars, obviously. Please ask that. And uh, if you don't mind, you can run over to YouTube, Rumble, or Odyssey and find us at Maximum Libertarian. That's where we have videos about four times a week there. And then everything that we talk about is on our Twitter account and our Getter account, which is at we are Max Lib. Okay, so now I'm done with that. Sit back, grab your glass of water, your hot tea, your cup of coffee, maybe an adult beverage, and listen to the soothing sounds of my voice talking with Mr. Larry Newman. Enjoy. That's All right, okay. welcome, Mr. Newman. Um, let's go. We will. Uh, you are a former Jasper County Sheriff's Office deputy and detective, as well as a first responder, volunteer firefighter, police officer, probation, and parole volunteer. And you're currently the president of the Missouri Alliance of Professional Bell Bonds Agents and has worked closely with lawmakers and other individuals on bell matters. Um, so you've got a lot going on here. And... Yes, uh, so what brought you into this line of work? And then if you can go into what made you want to get vocal, because, uh, I got the email saying that, you know, you were interested in speaking to as many people as possible about topics. Yes. Well, I've, I've been in law enforcement since 2002. I was an insurance agent before that, but, uh, I had a friend of mine who was a police officer just kept after me until I finally broke down and went to work as, as a police officer. Um, in 2009, I left the sheriff's office and I started doing bail bonds and uh, not knowing at the time just how closely associated that the bail bondsman was with law enforcement, um, providing accountability to the court system. And so for the last 10 years, we've been in the bail bond business or 13 years, I guess. And, uh, so I was, as I've just, I've always been involved in, in, you know, I saw the need, uh, 
for lawmakers especially to understand what's going on in the criminal justice system and understand why that we're having all the problems we're having right now with the increase of crime. Okay. And I saw in the email that you're that you had talked about you were there was one incident and I think in 2019 where an individual was arrested, he got out and then he put, you know, body fluids on another person. Correct? That's what I understand that happened in New York on the subway, yes. Okay. And now how long has this been has it been a brewing thing with people wanting bail reform um i know once the 90s half well not the 90s excuse me 2020 it was you know you had the, a whole bunch of riots going off in the streets and all that good stuff how long has this been brewing with bail reform has it been something that's always been brewing or well there's always been the the ultra liberals out there that you know wanted to consider the criminals as uh as a poor, misunderstood individual, mm-hmm. but really goes back to the person that said that they wanted to fundamentally change America. Um, that was about 12 to 14 years ago. So there's been a push in the last 12 to 14 years to make the victim the real criminal and the criminal is the victim if that makes any sense right uh, we've we've turned our back on the victim of crime we've taken the statutes that were written by our legislator and we've thrown them out the window because people that commit crimes now are supposed to be pitied and they're supposed to be turned loose let go you know they're misunderstood and basically what we've done is we've just opened the door for them to commit more crime correct so well violent crimes are on the rise across the country i mean i know from new york to where you're at are you still in missouri i assume yes okay and uh then you've with the violent crime on the rise uh our leaders from federal to state levels um you know they're wanting to make all these fundamental changes and they're tripping over themselves a lot of times to make changes that don't make sense because then they have to go back and reverse the policies that they just put in um one of the things in your you had wrote an editorial for the springfield news leader it said um the new rules restrict judges' ability to use discretion in setting bail, leading to defendants reoffending pending their trials, including for crimes such as assault, gun charges, and even murder. When Missourians continue to lose faith in our criminal justice system, it is time for the Supreme Court to admit that it's that it's the architect of the failure of the experiment. Bail reform may be laudable gold, but it must be implemented with wisdom. And that makes a lot of sense because a lot of times they do a lot of things for uh, good intentions. And then, of course, it don't work out that way. Um, I did not know that they were trying to set put handcuffs on judges and setting bail. Uh, Is that similar to like doing the um, mandatory minimum sentencing? 
Well, no, we're talking about a pre-trial release here when we're talking about bail. Uh, the pre-trial release is where, when you, if you're charged with a crime, you have the uh, constitutional right uh, to get out of jail on bond uh, pending your court case. So that's what we're talking about. Well, Missouri Supreme Court judges put out new rules to the local judges saying that you must release these people with no bail. You must release them ROR. Uh, you must release them uh, because they're poor. And it doesn't matter what you as a judge uh, think or know about these people that are in your area, uh, we're telling you that you've got to be nice to the criminals. And the judges that I've talked to in my area, they don't like it. They know that they're they're hurting the community, but they don't have a choice because the rules come down from the Missouri Supreme Court. Right. What um. Or are, are lawmakers trying to do anything to change that in your area or to, to your knowledge? Or they, is it just something that a court's, you know, got to they got to live with right now? Well, uh, that depends. If you want to if you want to talk about what they say, they say they want to change it. Uh-huh. Okay? When they go into session. They don't do anything about it. It's it's they can't agree on anything. Uh, criminal justice reform done right, we need, but criminal justice reform as it is set up now as the flash words, if, if you want to call it that, is all about uh, eliminating the, the penalties for crime and so we're making it easier on the people that commit crime right is there anything in particular like right now if you had were able to sign something get something put into law um that you could make a change what would that one thing that we should be focusing on being uh we need to in missouri we need to make a a law that repeals the missouri supreme court rule changes and go back to letting the judges have discretion over what they're doing in their own precinct in their own areas. Um, the other thing is the Department of Corrections has a big hand in this. Probation and parole, which is a division of Department of Corrections, anytime someone pleads guilty to a crime, then the Department of Correction does a uh, an assessment on sentencing. And so then they they look at this defendant very half-heartedly and go back in front of the judge and, and recommend to the judge that either the person goes to prison or they go on probation, which most people don't know what probation is. When you're given probation, that means that tomorrow you're walk, walking on the street again. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you just beat somebody half to death and you go in front of the judge and you plead guilty and the judge says, okay, I'm sentencing you to five years in prison, but instead I'm going to put you on probation for the next five years. Promise not to do it again. 
the next day that person's out of jail walking the streets. Hmm. So that's a major, major part of this. Probably one of the top areas that need to be worked on. Right. Okay. Uh, You had another editorial your friend sent me. It said uh, it was about the criminal justice system, how it's broken, and how Democrats have destroyed. It was very good. And I liked how you talked about how the problems were starting with the prisons, and then it moves to the local jails, and then you had COVID, and then probation. Um, You spoke about charitable funds, bail funds. And uh, let's see, in it, it said charitable bail funds privately financed through donations also have become popular as of late, designed to work around the bail system and its built-in system of accountability. They get defendants released with zero accountability to the courts. Um, Can you – I know our current vice president, when she was running uh, Kamala Harris, she was – supporting uh raising funds to get people put out taken out on bail um can you go more into detail about charitable bail bail funding and just like if i was to go to jail and had to do a bail get myself bailed out well the charitable bail funds came about um a few years ago when the large amount of riots was going on where people were destroying property, setting fire to property, committing all kinds of crimes, and they would get arrested and taken to jail. Well, the people that were back in the the riots, uh, they wanted those people back out of jail. So we created these bail funds uh, financed through liberal politicians and the Hollywood groups. They donated money. So as soon as, as soon as one of the rioters went to jail, uh, they could run right down there and post that bail and that rider would be back out. So that's where it came from. That's where the start of it was. So mm. then it grew to be anybody committing a crime is they're not really a criminal. They're only doing it because they're hungry or they're, they're, um, broke or, or whatever. Um, which we all know is, is, totally false but that's that's where that bail fund started now there's a investigation going on in california over one of the bail funds um about uh several million dollars missing from the bail fund uh, but they don't know where it went um, in missouri the bail funds for the most part have, have uh, left the state because there was there's a statute in Missouri that says that whoever posts the bond, uh, regardless of who posts the bond for some for an individual, that the refund of that bond goes to the individual. So in that instance, where you would have the bail fund putting up money for somebody to get out, if they go to court and the case is either dropped or they plead guilty, and the refund of that bond money is paid. It was to go to the defendant. So the bail fund wasn't getting any other money back. So they they shut down in Missouri. Hmm. Okay. Um, 
let's go into I was just looking up trying to see what they said here uh some alternatives to cash bell reformed. Um what I'm gonna do is I got this list. This was from M4BL.org. It's movement for black lives.org and it gives like some of their demands. And if you can, what I'm gonna do is I'll just say what it says is like one as um, they had three demands. One was end money bail and pre-trial <sighs> detention. Um, if you can just go over, I'm, I'll read the three off. If you could just tell me why, maybe it wouldn't be a good idea uh, in the aspect of because I it's I know when it was really hot back in 2020. One of the things that I saw was like, hey, end the prison system. And it makes no sense to me because it's like, well, where do the bad guys go? And no one would give me an answer. So if I say like end money bail and pretrial detention, what would you say to that? Well, okay, scrap your, you've just scrapped all of your criminal statutes. Okay. Okay. Um, You have taken any effort by the police and thrown that out the window um you eliminate any accountability to guarantee the appearance of that person in court to uh stand up for the charges against them and Mm -hmm. that's that's really what bail does the surety bail industry is the only accountable method of pretrial release because when they are released on a surety bail, such as what I do, and they don't show up for court, then I've got the legal authority to pursue them anywhere in the United States and take them into custody and bring them back. We get justice for the victim. So okay. that's that's what pretrial release should be. Every person, according to the Missouri Constitution, Every person has the right to a release by surety bail, by sufficient surety. It's, I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it was set up in this country from the beginning. It's been tried every other way, but we're the only method of securing the fact that that person is going to show up for court and stand in front of their victim and be accountable. Right. Okay. One of the other demands was eliminate risk assessments. What would you say? How would you, uh, what would you say against that? So that's about as outrageous as anything I've heard. Um, a risk assessment. The only way that civilization can exist is if we have rules and if those rules are obeyed and by the very nature of the human being, unless there is uh, pain for bad behavior, you have no civilization, you have no society, you have nothing. to eliminate a risk assessment would be it just I, I 
I'm almost at a loss for words on that. That's that, that that's about as crazy. Basically, what you're saying is it doesn't matter what kind of crime that they do. They can murder somebody. And as soon as they're arrested, they have to be released with a promise to show up for court. Right. That's, now, is risk, is risk assessments where they just do like, do they do like assess like the crime, the mental well-being of the individual and all that's is that I assume <clears throat> what a risk assessment is? Well, a risk assessment is. Uh, first, let me let me explain what what the courts do. The courts ask a defendant a series of questions. Now, this is the defendant who just robbed store, just beat somebody to, uh, into drugs whatever. The risk assessment is a list of 10 questions that they ask the defendant and they have to assume that the defendant is going to be truthful on all of them. That's a court risk assessment. Okay. Now, a risk assessment that I do before I provide the opportunity for a defendant to be released from jail the risk assessment that I do is I talk to mom, dad, brother, sister, grandma, grandpa, employers. I talk to everybody to find out what the risk of to the community, to an individual or the flight risk is. Now, that's the risk assessment that I provide. Risk assessment from the courts. You're asking a career criminal to tell you the truth. That's that's not going to happen. Right. Okay. Um, and then the final demand that they had was eliminate criminal punishment fees and fines. What would be your argument against that? <sighs> okay. Well, let's say your three-year-old walks in to a hot kitchen stove and sticks their hand on the burner and there's no pain. Right. Are they going to do it again? Yes. Okay. So when you eliminate any pain in the criminal justice system for bad behavior, what's that? What are they going to do? They'll just do it again. Exactly. So fines are supposed to be they were set up to be painful, substantially painful, to inhibit people from, again, breaking that law. So everything that you're telling me that they want to do is the three things that will destroy civilization because there's no longer any reason for people not to murder, kill, destroy, take everything you've got. There's, there's just nothing there. So the three things that they want to do just eliminates our civilization and society and being able to live together. Right. Okay. <laughs> so let's say someone wants to run for office. What would you tell them right now 
if you could get into uh, a candidate's ear and say, this is an this is an idea that I would push. I know with Missouri, you talked about removing it for, or going back for the Supreme Court or for the state Supreme Court. Is there anything on a federal level that would bleed down here to Roanoke, Virginia, that you would say, you know what, if I was on city council, be on the lookout to try to do this to make sure, because like you said, them three things right there would destroy the community. It's happening right now because we have so much violence going on. We have a lot of gun violence and it's not being addressed really, except, hey, let's take away the guns. But it's real. That's not really a, uh, a handling the situation, you know. So what would you tell? Could you do you have anything like you would tell like a, if I ran for city council, like, hey, you ought to try to run. Have this as one of your platforms. The. the uh hard stance on criminal justice i'm going to i would tell them to take the stand that you are going to go out there and you are going to implement rules and policies that impart pain and that hold accountable those people that commit crimes and make the punishment sufficient adequately sufficient to stop them from doing those crimes again whatever that should be of course the different crimes are different you know different penalties but that i would run on crime and right. not criminal justice reform because criminal justice reform means going easier the com- the communities your community my community every community in the united states right now is crying for someone to take a stiffer hand with criminal justice. They're wanting the crime stopped because it's escalating out of control. The vast majority of people that live in your community and my community understand that and they want something done. Right. Politicians, the elites, live in their own world and they have no idea what the real world is out here so if i was if i was going to run or if i was advising someone to run run on criminal justice run on the fact that you're going to get tough on crime on crime tough on crime that people want that sounds good all right i have two more questions for you all right the first one is, we're, you know, like I said, we're seeing so much stuff that's hammering law enforcement. If it's defund the police, if you're having social media, just, you know, just take a video and they'll cut the first, you know, half a minute out and it changes the video completely. And my question is, one thing that I worry about is how are we going to get good can good applicants for these different law enforcement agencies? Because otherwise, because it's being hammered so bad, we're having trouble getting people to sign up to be a police officer here in my area. 
Um, this is also bleeding over into the military because, you know, you were being told how bad the country is and things of that nature. So in turn, we're being taught this stuff. Uh, how what is there any do you know, of like the people that, you know, do you know of things that they're doing to trying to get the best recruits now or what what's going on there? Do you know? And I, and I know that's a weird question. It might be a hard. Question no, answer. no, it's not a hard question. It's. I mean, it's a hard situation because law enforcement's having a difficult time uh, recruiting right now because it always has been one of the lower paid jobs that is the highest risk. And the first time that you can that you can go out there and do and protect your community and the first time you stub your toe or something happens to you, you get shot at whatever. You've got to go find another career. The risk in making this a career is tremendous uh, for the pay. So you're not going to find anybody out there in the in a uniform and wearing a badge that's doing it for the money or doing it for any other reason than they're there to help the community because you've eliminated everything else. Um, I know it's hard. We just had here in Joplin, Missouri, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a dependent out on probation, shot three Joplin police officers. Two of them died. Um, Joplin's having a hard time finding replacements. Um, they're already shorthanded. So, the police are doing a good job. One of the things that would help if each each community could elect a good prosecutor in their community, then the police would have the uh, incentive to come back and, and do what they need to do. These, these bad actor prosecutors that's been elected, the George right. Soros, um, prosecutors, they're the ones that's been attacking the police officers. But if you get prosecutors that'll take the cases and back the police, you'll see a major change. Okay. And then uh, I guess the final question is, uh, do you have any final words and where can people, they want to talk to you or get more information about you? Or do you have a website or anything that you would like to lead them to? Well, our our website is aaawaybailbonds.com, uh, um, and they can go there and ask questions and stuff. Um, I am a, I'm a bail bond agent, but with my background in law enforcement and, and everything else, um, gives me the unique opportunity to talk about these things with people, and I'm glad to. Um, but that would be... That would be the location to go, aaawaybailbonds.com, and send me an email. Okay. But I really appreciate the opportunity to come and talk to you today. It's been fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I know what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you to come back in June or July, and you'll actually speak to the Roanoke Valley Libertarians. And, uh, you know, I think this is an issue that people need to be made aware of, and it's getting pushed under 
you know, we have a we have other things happen. They flash the light and we're looking over there and <laughs> other the real issues are that's happening take place, you know, that right, really affect right. the lives. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much. Thank you. And, uh, and I'll see hey, you shortly. Got gotcha questions are never a bad pro- a, a problem. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank <laughs> well, thank you once again to Mr. Larry Newman for coming on and talking on the podcast about cash bell reform, giving us some ideas that we should do to uh, fix the situation that we're in and to make it a stronger uh, system. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to rate us five stars if you don't mind i'd greatly appreciate it and then you can go over to either youtube odyssey or rumble follow us and subscribe to us there at maximum libertarian and all the news topics that we talk about you can find on getter and twitter at we are max lib so until next time my friends See you later.